Heavenly Father, how sweet are your words to our taste, sweeter than honey to our mouth. Oh Lord, we pray that we would relish your words by the power of your spirit this morning. May they comfort our sorrows and brighten our eyes with joy as we taste and see that the Lord is good. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, this morning we continue our series in 1 Samuel, and we've been looking at, uh, we've started it again last week in chapter 8, and uh, but before that we spent some time in it uh, earlier in the year, and we've returned to it now. And this comes at a time where Israel is in a state of change, where they're moving from having judges over them to having a king over them. Uh, the people of Israel are the descendants of a man called Abraham, uh, who goes right back into the book of Genesis at the, the beginning of the Bible. Abraham is a descendant, of course, of Adam and Eve, who were created uh, back in uh, the first days of the existence of this world. So Adam and Eve were created. Then you got Abraham. Then you get his descendants, uh, the people of Israel. And they have been brought out of slavery in Egypt into the promised land under the leadership of Moses and then Joshua. And then they spent some time in this promised land, uh, Uh, under a series of judges, but now they are wanting to move to having a king over them. And that's what we looked at last week, how the Israelites no longer want, uh, it seems, God as their king. Instead, they want a king like the other nations. They want an earthly king to reign over them. And God has said, fine, I will give you a king. And that is what we saw at the end of chapter 8 last week. Chapter 8 of 1 Samuel says in verse 22, listen to them and give them a king. And then Samuel, the prophet, had dismissed the people. At the end of verse 22, everyone go back to his town is what he told them. And then we have chapter 9, which is an interesting chapter in the Bible because it seems to be a series of events that take place which are sort of not... Not in reality. What's going on here, it seems like uh, things are happening that are of significance to us today or significance to the people of the time that shouldn't have been recorded. What's significance? They seem insignificant instead. I mean, you see here that there's this story about donkeys getting lost and people chasing these donkeys, and it seems that, uh, that these matters are of insignificance to the people of God at the time and also to us today as the people of God. What, why would God preserve these words for us over the millennia so that we have them here today. These words about donkeys, about bumping into girls as you're going up into a town and then uh, chit-chatting with the, the people who are talking to them. There's so many words that have been preserved here. What is God teaching his people in the past and is he teaching us today by these words? Well, there's different applications that we could make from this passage, but one thing that I think this passage displays so clearly is God's providence, what we call God's providence, how he controls all things. After all, was it by chance that Saul's father's donkeys were suddenly lost? And was it by chance that Saul was chosen to go with a servant to go and find those donkeys? Was it by chance that Saul ended up near the village where Samuel was, Samuel who was preparing to anoint the next king of Israel. I mean, he traveled around a large region to a point where he thinks, oh, if we don't go back soon, my father is going to worry where we are instead of the donkeys. And was it by chance that Saul had enough money in the bag to be able to go to Samuel and ask Samuel for help about finding the donkeys? Was it by chance that they met these helpful girls that would point them to the village and say, yes, go up, Uh, Samuel is coming? And then was it by chance that Samuel was actually coming out, the very person they wanted to see, he was coming out of the town as they were going in? 
Well, verse 16 tells us that these weren't chance occurrences. Instead, we see that it was God who was at work. Verse 16, uh, we, well, we'll pick it up from verse 15. Verse 15, it says, Now the day before Saul came, the Lord had revealed this to Samuel. About this time tomorrow, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin. Anoint him leader over my people Israel. He will deliver my people from the hand of the Philistines. I've looked upon my people for their cry has reached me. The day before, God had known that Saul would be showing up at exactly that time and had told Samuel, I am sending this man. Up to this point, we think Saul is wandering aimlessly looking for some donkeys. But it's all because God is sending Saul to Samuel. And so we see the providence of God here, that he is in control of all things. And God has always been in control of all things, from donkeys to girls coming out of a village to a prophet moving to a son chasing after lost objects. God has always been in control of all things. And so we read in Proverbs that in his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. You plan your course but it's God who determines your steps. And that is with Saul and that servant and those girls and Samuel so many years ago, and it is still the case for us today and throughout the pages of Scripture. We see again and again that God is in control of everything that happens to every person in Scripture. And there's an even far greater example where God was in control of a son who was doing his father's will. A son was told to go and chase some lost animals, some lost donkeys, so to speak. Who was that son? Well, it was the Lord Jesus. Who were the donkeys? Well, sinful humans. We are the donkeys that the Lord Jesus was sent to pursue. Why are we donkeys? Well, we're wayward. Like those stray donkeys so many years ago, we've transgressed God's holy law. We bashed through his fence and trespassed where we shouldn't, like those donkeys did so many years ago. We have done that. Every time we sin, we are transgressing God's law. We are trespassing where we should not go. We are meant to keep on the path of righteousness. Instead, we keep going into the ways of wickedness. But God's Son was sent to find us. We read in Luke chapter 19 where Jesus says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. And he was a very diligent son in chasing after the lost. Saul was quite a diligent son when you consider it. He was told, go find the donkeys, and he just kept on going and going and going. My experience of some children is that they're not so diligent in looking for things. You say, go and look for whatever it is, and you tell them the location, and they go there and they come back and say, I couldn't find it. And what do you say? You say, did you look? And they say, yes, I did. And you say, did you look on the second bottom shelf? And they say, yes, I did. So, okay, I'll come with you. And what do you do? You go and you look at the second bottom shelf and it's right there. And they go, oh, sorry. Children aren't always that diligent in seeking what is lost. Saul is a great example of a diligent son. But the Lord Jesus is the supreme example of a diligent son seeking what was lost. How do we know that he is the best of sons? Well, he left his home in heaven. Saul left his home in the land of Benjamin, 
but the Lord Jesus left his home in heaven. And then he went through greater sweat than Saul ever experienced chasing those donkeys, greater turmoil and pain than Saul. But it was all planned by God. It isn't as though Jesus came down and mixed amongst sinful men and, and suddenly all these troubles came up in his life and he ended up getting persecuted and, and tortured and then put on the cross and dying and, and God somehow was like, I didn't plan this. No, it was all part of the hand of God. And we see that in that passage that we looked at before that was read for us in one, uh, John chapter 19. John chapter 19, turn with me there now, which we looked at before. John chapter 19, page 1073. Page 1073, John chapter 19. And even the most insignificant of details that you would think, oh, what? why is that actually happening? And could God have been in control of that? Even the most insignificant of details we see were planned by God for his son to experience. For example, in verse 24 of John chapter 19, what happens there? Well, the soldiers have his clothes. Jesus is up on the cross. His clothes are left behind. And so what do the disciples, uh, the, the soldiers do? It says in verse 24, let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. Now, why did that happen? Well, the verse continues. This happened that the scriptures might be fulfilled, which said, they divided my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. Insignificant detail. God was in it. God had planned it. God had prophesied that it would happen. Look with me at verse 28 and 29. What happens there? Verse 28. Later, knowing that all was now completed and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on the stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. Even Jesus' thirst and being fed with wine vinegar there on the cross was, in verse 28 tells us, so that the scripture would be fulfilled, that he would fulfill the prophecies of long ago. And then over the page in verse 33, verse 33, what happens to Jesus? He can't control this. It's after he is already dead. Verse 33, but when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, and he testifies so that you may believe. What happened to Jesus? His legs weren't broken. Oh, the others, uh, the other, uh, the thieves that were crucified with him, their legs were broken. Is it a big deal that Jesus' legs weren't broken? What about that spear being plunged into his side? Inconsequential, insignificant. Was God really wanting that to happen? Did the soldier decide to do it by chance? What do we read in verse 36? These things happen so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And then verse 37. and And as another scripture says, they will look upon the one they have pierced down to the smallest of details. God's hand was there as Jesus was seeking those who were lost, those wayward donkeys who have sinned against God. Down to the smallest of details, God's hand was in it. And so at just the right time, Christ came and did all that his father had planned for him. And that's told to us in Galatians chapter 4 by the Apostle Paul. It says, but when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. When the time had fully come, Jesus entered to this world at exactly the precise time 
that the Lord wanted. And then in Romans chapter 5, verse 6, a similar statement. You see, this is Apostle Paul speaking, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. But why would God send his son to chase donkeys like us? Well, it's the same reason that God sent Saul chasing donkeys so many years ago. Why was Saul meeting up with Samuel that day so many years ago? Well, verse 16 told us. Flip back with me to 1 Samuel chapter 9. 1 Samuel chapter 9, page 270. If you've got a church Bible. 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 16 where God had said to Samuel, About this time tomorrow I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin. Anoint him leader over my people. Why? Why, why, why? Why send Saul via this intricate way to Samuel? Anoint him leader over my people Israel. He will deliver my people from the hand of the Philistines. I have looked upon my people for their cry has reached me. Why was Saul sent to Samuel? So that God's people would be delivered from their enemies. Why was God's son, the Lord Jesus, sent into this world to save donkeys like us? It's to save us from our enemies, to deliver us. That's why he was sent. The son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost. He has come to save us. Jesus chased donkeys to bring about their salvation and to glorify himself. Saul ended up being anointed as king. And so we see that Jesus also, as he came chasing donkeys like us and saved us, he has been anointed king, the king of kings and lord of lords. He has ascended to God's right hand and is now reigning supreme. And he exalts his people. We become princes and princesses of the king of kings. So do you realize that God is governing all your steps? All your steps as well. This morning, God has brought you into church. God has brought you into church. Not chance. God has brought you here. He governs all things. Now, you may have come for something other than salvation. You may have come because you've come to please your parents. There's no option for you. You can't stay home on your own. You may have come to see friends or to be with a spouse or to find a spouse, or to make friends, or to enjoy the music, or maybe to enjoy a morning tea afterwards or the lunch that we have. You may have come for lots of different reasons. But why has God brought you here? Why has God brought you here this morning? Is it so that you can hear the good news about the Lord Jesus and his deliverance of sinners from eternal punishment in hell, so that you can have eternal life? And to exalt the Son of God once more as another person is brought into his kingdom. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, realize that God has brought you amongst us this morning. And don't be a donkey and run away from him once more. Instead, run to him and receive the eternal life that he offers by repentance and faith, by saying sorry for your sins and trusting that Jesus has paid for your sins at the cross. And then thank him for spending so much effort in leaving heaven, coming into this world to chase a donkey like you, for undergoing so much sweat and turmoil and pain and suffering to bring you 
to eternal life rather than the damnation that you deserve. And then start to live a life of peace because you know that God is in control of all things. This chapter of 1 Samuel, it reminds us Christians that God is in control of all our lives down to the smallest of details, and it is wonderful to see. Saul, in this passage, he seems so passive. He's chasing donkeys, he's influenced by his servant, he's influenced by these girls, and then Saul. He doesn't seem very active. He doesn't seem very king-like. But God is active. Samuel, it's interesting, in 1 Samuel chapter 9, the prophet, he mentions the chasing of donkeys as a sort of an afterthought. It's interesting in verse 20. As for the donkeys you lost three days ago, do not worry about them. They have been found. And to whom is all the desire of Israel turned, if not to you and all your father's family? Don't worry about the donkeys. The donkeys are the primary thought of Saul. But they're a bit of an afterthought in the plan of God for Saul. And that's for us too. We can seem so passive bouncing from one problem to another, but God is active in everyone. It doesn't matter who you are and how insignificant you may feel, God is active in your life too. Saul was someone who just chased donkeys. David, the next king of Israel, he was someone who chased sheep. And yet God took those men and exalted them for the deliverance of his people. God cares about all of us. And I know sometimes we feel that that's not the case. And we spend our lives chasing donkeys. We spend our time cleaning up after our donkey selves, from spilt coffee on our clothes to lost keys to taking wrong turns and wandering all out of the way that you were supposed to go. I did that this week, leaving a shopping centre car park. You don't know which one pops you out at which street. I get disoriented as you go round and round and round and round, and it says this street or this street, and I'm like, which street is the one I'm after? And you pop out and you realise, ah, wrong spot. God's in control of that. My donkey self has wandered, but God's in control of that. And he has his reason for putting me in that spot at that time. And we spend time and money trying to fix our decaying donkey hide. Another doctor's appointment, another doctor's appointment, another specialist appointment. And we think, what's the purpose of it all? We spend our time chasing donkeys at work, the boss, work colleagues, clients, We spend our time chasing children who are not so much like donkeys, like stubborn mules sometimes. And we spend our time telling donkey sales assistants our order again. I mean, I'm not fussy. I just like my coffee as a latte, large, full cream milk, half strength, extra hot, one sugar. And if it's a bit late in the day, I'll take it as decaf. It's not that hard to get, really. I have to tell a donkey barista again and again my order, and then it still doesn't come through right. And we spend our time chasing donkeys in the church. We think everybody, oh, they're saved, they're perfect now. They're sanctified. No, we recognise that people can stretch us and strain us as well. And I know that because you are also patient with the donkey that is me. You put up with me week after week after week. And we tell the most stubborn donkeys outside the church the gospel Again and again and again and again, we tell them that they can have eternal life and they don't seem to get it. And we tell them and we tell them and then we find out. What do we find out? They made their own way home by some other route, like Saul experienced. He chased those donkeys and then he finds out they're actually home all all along. 
It's like, what's the point of that? I've told this person again and again and again in the gospel, and then somebody else tells them, or they hear something somewhere on a billboard and they're saved. It's like, what was the point of all the time that I spent with that person? And so we ask, the pur- we ask, what's the purpose? What's the meaning of my life? Why do I go through so much trouble and pain, going from one worry and anxiety to the next? Well, God tells us the purpose, and it's the same purpose that Saul's purpose was for chasing the donkey so many years ago. And what is that? Well, we saw it in verse 16. It was the deliverance of God's people. It was the deliverance of God's people and the exaltation of the king. And that is the purpose of our life as well. If we are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, it is for our deliverance and exaltation one day. And the exaltation of the Lord Jesus Christ as he takes a life of bouncing from one problem to the next and shows his glory in it, particularly in the life to come. There's no FOMO with God. I only found out about this acronym FOMO recently. F-O-M-O, fear of missing out. And apparently it's a big concern for many people, fear of missing out. There's no FOMO with God. Even when we're missing out, we're not, because God has ordained that we would miss out for something even better. Saul felt like he was missing out probably at home. I'm chasing donkeys all over the place, and they were there all along. And we can feel that way too. I'm missing out. But God tells us, no, he's got it all in control. And it's all for our deliverance and our exaltation and the exaltation of the Lord Jesus Christ. We can know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and are called, have been called according to his purpose, as Romans 8:28 tells us. And when we see the hand of God, we can trust in God through that, that he is working for our good. And when we see the hand of God, I want to remind us all this morning, when we see it working for our good, be thankful. Be thankful and rejoice. Sometimes the veil gets drawn back and we see the purpose of the wrong turn. We see the purpose of the spilt milk. We see the purpose of having to deal with somebody. We realise that person that delayed us in such a significant way from our plans, we realize we were there at just the right time to speak to someone about the Lord Jesus or to help someone in some significant way. We see how God had delayed us in some way and caused us to be in that place at that time so that we could be of great help to someone. And what do we do in those situations? We thank God, even for the donkeys that delay us and cause an upset to our plans. And when we don't see how God is working for our good, well, we trust that our Father has asked us to chase donkeys for a reason. And so, like obedient children, we chase diligently, knowing that God has given us this work for a purpose. One of my favourite verses in Scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, from the Apostle Paul, It says, always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor, and it is labor at times, it feels hard work, it's not in vain. He sees what you're doing. He's ordained for you to do what you're doing and he will reward accordingly. So after church this morning, you're released into the world. 
to go around chasing the donkeys. But I want you to remember 1 Samuel chapter 9 as you're starting to get frustrated with some of those donkeys. When you start to get annoyed, take a step back and say, God, I trust you that you know exactly what I'm to be doing today. And then feel the peace that comes as you bask in what we call God's providence, his providence. He is the provider and he is the one who governs all things. Let's come to God in prayer. Let's speak with him now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you as a sovereign God who oversees all things for the deliverance of your people, for those who trust in you. Oh, Lord, we ask that you would forgive us for not trusting you more, particularly when we feel we're chasing donkeys meaninglessly throughout this world. Oh, Lord, we pray that you would help us to reflect upon you and your sovereign hand and then give ourselves fully to your work, knowing it is never in vain. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.